All right. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Seven Generation Podcast. This is episode 30. The title of today's show is Jiu-Jitsu and Ultra Marathon Running. So I was able to catch up with my good friend, David Thole. David is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he's also a long-distance runner. He was on the show back in April of 2020. He was actually my first guest that I had on the podcast. So um, he's back once again with us. And the really cool thing about this podcast is we actually did it together in the same room. And so the audio quality is actually really, really good. Uh, I was dealing with some inferior uh, technology when I first started doing the podcast, and we've improved the, improved the technology and so we have better mics and I have better equipment. And so I was really happy with how it turned out. Anyway, so David has completed around 10 100-mile races, and he recently finished a 200-mile run as a fundraiser for the We Defy Foundation. So the We Defy Foundation is an amazing organization. It's a nonprofit organization which provides combat veterans with military-connected disability sponsorships to train jiu-jitsu. So it's really cool because if you're a combat veteran and you're dealing with PTSD or you have some you know, physical limitations and you want to train jiu-jitsu, uh, you can apply for a scholarship and they will, um, if, you, um, if you get the sponsorship, uh, you're able to um, train jiu-jitsu for a year. They'll pay for your dues, they'll find you a gym, and they'll get you a gi. So it's a great deal for uh, veterans who are having difficulty um, you know, dealing with issues related to PTSD and so forth. So I already talked to one of the organizers over at the We Defy Foundation. His name is TJ uh, Kreutzer, and we already recorded a podcast together. And let me tell you that the podcast was just absolutely amazing. I learned so much about uh, just how important jiu-jitsu uh, is to uh, combat veterans who train. Uh, we actually have... Um, a We Defy ambassador at uh, Seventh Generation, Randy Mack. Uh, he's been an ambassador for a while now. And, um, and we have some veterans who train with us. And we're going to do an open mat on May 31st. Um, a lot of our gym members have already purchased uh, a T-shirt in support of that fundraising effort for Memorial Day weekend. And I really would encourage people, if you're interested in supporting our veterans, you know, go check out the We Defy Foundation websites, www.wedefyfoundation.org. Check them out, donate some money, buy a t-shirt. If you're here in the Valley and you train jiu-jitsu, you can come and uh, visit 7 Generation Jiu-Jitsu when we do the open mat on May 31st. I don't know the exact time yet. It's probably going to be in the afternoon. Um, maybe we can do some fundraising. So what Dave has planned is... Um, to continue the fundraising for the We Defy Foundation, he completed the 200-mile run, and he raised over $2,000. So he didn't quite meet his goal. So what he's going to do is he's going to do a 100-mile run here in the Valley, and he's going to continue to fundraise through Instagram. Um, and so if you want to check out his Instagram, it's in the show notes as well. All the information regarding his upcoming fundraiser will be found in um my Instagram for the podcast. Uh, again, that's in the show notes and the gym Instagram as well. So we'll put that information there. And basically what we want to do is we want to help Dave out, raise some more money so that way, uh, you know, we can do our part and, you know, give back to our combat veterans 
you know, they went through um, a lot, sacrificed their lives, their minds uh, for us. And, um, you know, this is our way of being able to give back to uh, the men and women in uniform who have served our nation uh, proudly. And um, so check out the We Defy Foundation if you've never heard of it. Don't listen to me. Um, go learn from your, for yourself, okay? And then um, in the next couple of weeks after uh, we drop this episode, I'm going to drop the first part of my discussion with TJ. And then the week after that, we'll drop another episode on the We Defy Foundation and just see if we can encourage listeners to um, go out there and support this, again, incredible, incredible foundation. They're doing great work. And, you know, the pandemic has been really difficult on a lot of people I know, uh, but it's important that if you can give, to give. So um, I'm in a position to help out. I'm going to do everything I can do to learn as much about, you know, combat veterans and, you know, what they go through with PTSD and so forth. So I'm trying to do my homework and, uh, you know, I encourage you guys, if you can, if you have some time, do a little bit of research, check out the, the website and again, if you can donate, please do so. Um, let's see here. What else is coming up? Other than that, yeah, we just, you know, this month we want to do uh, some fundraising for We Defy. Um, I have a lot of uh, ideas for new episodes. I'll probably be dropping some episodes um, on different topics as well. Uh, there's a lot going on in the month of May. And um, there's a lot of different topics going on in my head, so I have a lot of different podcasts in mind. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this show. It really is fantastic. It is a little long. I'm going to forewarn you. It is definitely a little longer than other episodes, but it's, uh, you know, the sound quality is really good uh, and the discussion is really outstanding. So enjoy. One. All right. We are back with an all-new episode of the 7 Generation Podcast, and I have a guest with me today, David Thole. What's up, my man? How hey, we doing? How's it going? It's going pretty good. It's going Se- pretty second good. Second time. Yeah, so we did a, we did a podcast uh, when I first started uh, podcasting. When was that? That was, man, back in the summertime last year? Was it's it been a while. Yeah. It's been almost a year. It was over the phone. It's not over the live phone. and in person like right now. It's not. Yeah, we were live in person um, and, um, you know, I've been uh, doing podcasts over the phone uh, using Zoom. It's This is much better. This is a much better situation yeah. here. It's so. going to feel more like a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, as uh, most of the people who know me know, Dave is um, a good friend of mine and um He's also a training partner in jujitsu as well, um, and we're here to talk about some really important uh, topics. Um, Dave just finished uh, doing a fundraiser for the Weedify Foundation, uh, which is a foundation that uh, assists combat veterans who are interested in training Brazilian jujitsu. And we're going to talk about that, um, and we're going to talk about how we went about doing this fundraiser. Uh, which involves another hobby that Dave is involved in. Dave has a lot of hobbies. Um, yes, <laughs> very busy. He's a busy man. Uh, but one of um, uh, his hobbies besides Brazilian jiu-jitsu and playing guitar and everything else that he does uh, involves uh, long-distance running. And when I'm talking about long-distance, we're talking about ultra-marathon running 
And you've been doing that for how long, Dave? Uh, I think about since 2010, since like February 2010 is when I started doing the ultra distance, which would be considered anything over the marathon distance, which is 26.2. So, yeah. And this last race was your, your, what's your, your last run was 200 miles, right? Yeah. So that was the furthest. I I almost just say hike now. I was, I was fast packing. I I did run, but there was also a lot of, (laughs) a lot of power walking and hiking. So, you know, when people think of long distance running, you know, they think of uh, a 10 K, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, a, a marathon, right? Yeah. So how many marathons is, is 200 miles? Yep. Uh, th- around nine. So around nine. nine. Yeah. yeah. It's close. Yeah, yeah. It's around nine, around nine marathons. 10 of them would have been 200 and no, 10 of them would have been 260. So I think it was like eight. Man, you should eight just should have went for 10. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> should just keep going. <laughs> So anyway, I want to get into that a little bit, um, and but before we do, let's just kind of back up a bit and just kind of get into you know why you started you know um, running and you weren't always uh, a, a interested in long distance running. So how'd that come about? Um, you know, it was funny because jujitsu actually started my my running. It was a uh, I had this idea that when I started jujitsu that if my legs were a little bit stronger, I could have a better guard, which made sense. So I started cycling a little bit and then running. Then my sister got me to do a 5K with her. Then I beat her at the 5K. So she's upset. So she's like, <laughs> we're going to do a half marathon next year. So one of the guys that we used to train with, Jason Pritchard, yeah. asked him, I said, because uh, he was in a triathlon, I said, how, how far is a half marathon? And he said, you just did a 10K? And he said, yeah. He goes, 10 more miles. Or no, I just did a 5K. I did 3.1 miles. He goes, 10 more miles than what you just did. I was like, wow, that's going to suck. So I... uh got conned into doing the the half marathon. I was perfectly happy doing that distance. Uh, had no intention in doing anything further than that. I thought a marathon is just, why? Why would I want to do that? Then I met someone who needed a training partner. Uh, is a good friend of mine, Sarah Wilson. Her training was very early in the morning and she kind of wanted a, a male to run with in the morning just to feel a bit safer, I guess. So I started running with her and she was doing some marathon training. So she was actually the the person who got me into, who kind of got that spark of, uh, Hey, let's do a, a full marathon. And, uh, she got me to do my first full marathon. Then I started getting into hiking a little bit, then really interested in trails. And from the trails that kind of launched, I think I did, a we hiked, uh, a friend of mine, we hiked Half Dome together and then had another friend that wanted to do uh, Mount Whitney. And then from there, I was like, hey, trails are kind of fun. Started looking at trail running and found a 50K. I thought, well, that should be the next progression. I'd done one marathon by then. And um, back in t- 2009, I did my first marathon, Rock and Roll San Diego. And then that was around the summertime. And then I did the Fresno Marathon in November. And by this time, I was like, okay, maybe I could go a little bit further. After the Fresno Marathon, I did uh, the California International Marathon, CIM, which is in Sacramento, that December. I was like, man, I'm on a roll, so I might as well just keep it up. And I found a, a 50K, which in my head is like, oh, it's only five more miles. Uh, it was with Pacific Coast Trail Runs. It was the Woodside 50K. I had no idea what elevation, what elevation gain really entailed. <laughs> and man, I, I took off 
like it was a marathon, like it was on the road. And I found real quick that trail running versus road is, uh, it's not even the same sport. <laughs> it's not yeah, even the same it, game. Yeah. Um, I could only imagine, you know, having to deal with, uh, nature's elements, right. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. Having to carry more supplies. Right. So like that first run, there's an aid station meeting where they have water and food, like at mile five, the next one was at mile 10, where in a marathon, it's like there's water every mile, mile and a half. And uh, so filled up at mile five. I remember I came up to the first aid stations, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, candy. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is, wow, this is really kind of weird, you know? Right. Then uh, I get to the second aid station at mile 10. Then it's a 10 mile out and back. And within that 10 miles, I'd run out of all the food I took. I was like depleted. <laughs> I, I wanted to lay down on the trail and take a nap. And uh, I was just like gone. I had other people who were running by me because we were climbing out of this uh, valley. And they're just like, do you need anything? I was like, no, I'm good. I was, I was not good. But then I made it back to the aid station, got some food. You know, my blood sugar spiked back up and I, uh, I took off. Then there was a, so there was aid basically at mile 5, 10. Then you're on out and back. And where mile 10 was now, that's mile 20. So I filled up there. Then at mile 25 and then the finish. And uh, once I had food, it was easier. But that, I went in very naive thinking, okay, my marathon time is about three and a half hours. <laughs> I remember my parents drove me up because they didn't want me to drive home after the race. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll drive you. My mom's like, when are you going to finish? I was like, well, it's five more miles. Maybe like four and a half hours. So it's six hours when I come, <laughs> come in. <laughs> wow. I was like, I thought you died out there. <laughs> yeah. I was very, very humbled very fast. At the beginning of the race, I was running like... But you up, finished though. I finished, yeah. yeah. Um, it was funny because at the beginning of the race, I was kind of up in, up in the front. And <laughs> these people looking at me like, who's this guy? He's new. <laughs> I had no idea what, what I was doing. So uh, so when you, when you reflected yeah. back on it, you were thinking they were probably laughing at me like, oh, this poor guy. Yeah. Man, he's yeah. going to find I mean, out this real guy soon. Only knew. His, his strategy is not going to work. <laughs> but uh but I had such a blast even with yeah. that whole like kind of blowing up in one section of it and then I just uh I fell in love with it. I just after that signed up for a 50 miler. Met my buddy Kyle who I now work with over at a local running store. Um I met him. I knew him through the running store. I'd shop there every once in a while and one day when I was shopping, I heard him overheard him saying, "Yeah, I'm going to go run American River Run this 50 miler." To one of the customers, I walked up to him. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to be out there." He goes, "Oh, well, maybe we'll see each other." We don't. We kind of knew each other just from like in passing. Right. Then at the very beginning of the race, it was like, "Hey, you know, someone from Fresno," and uh, so we saw each other. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll run a couple miles together. We ended up running the whole thing together, just like having fun. We weren't trying to like make any great time. We just wanted to like enjoy 50 miles along the American River Trail, which. That race was fun because it's point to point. So you actually travel. It's not like a loop. Yeah. So that that one, you're not seeing the same terrain over again. No, it's awesome. And that's, it's that's dope. It's a really Pretty cool dope. race. The lady who puts it on, uh, she does a fantastic job of all the races that I've done that she does. Um, and this one was cool because the first half was kind of on road. So it's kind of like a marathon. Then the second half was all trail. So you got this really unique, like you could hammer out the first like 25 miles as fast as you want, which is usually... I think I've done that race like eight times was the mindset. Like I'm just going to go in and run as hard as I can for the first like right. marathon portion, then hit the trail and just kind of like see what's left. Yeah. And uh, so when we finished that race, Kyle asked me, Oh, we ended up running the whole 50 together. He said, well, what's after this? Are you going to do a hundred? I was like, yeah, I think so. And then he said, well, I know that I could run 50. So you're allowed to have a pacer the second half of the race. So he said, well, if you need someone to run 50 miles with you, 
let's let's uh, hook up when we get back to Fresno. And uh, that's where our friendship started. It was just, you know, very cool. Somebody wanted to help me out. And then, so yeah. where, what, what was your first hundred mile race? Where was that? It was um, up in Marin County. It was the Headlands hundred. And um, still at this point, didn't know much about trail running. Just wanted to, to check it out and do it. And, uh, you know, luckily I had someone who I just randomly met that lived in town who was willing to, to go out there. And he was a huge, if it wasn't for him, I, there's no way I would have finished, you know, having just someone to, to talk to. Uh, and I went on to do that race that was, uh, in 2010 that I did it. And then I ended up going back in 2011 and then 2012. Then I was going to stop doing it. Then one year my mom asked me, Hey, you're going to go back out there. I was like, I don't know. She goes, well, so my parents go to all the, the races with me. Uh, they've been to, I think I've ran just over 25, um, 100 mile races. Oh, wow. And um, they've been to all except for two, just because logistically it was kind of going to be difficult. Right. Uh, the one that I did in San Diego a couple years in a row. And um, my mom asked me, oh, are you going to go out there for, I think it was the fourth time. I was like, no, it, I think I'm, think I'm good. And then um, she goes, oh, your dad really likes going out there because they would go on the course and like take photos and when you do enough of these races, you see a lot of the same people. So it's kind of like, Oh, that's like the one time of the year that I see this person and that person. So it's kind of, it's like jujitsu, right? Sometimes you go to a tournament and you see guys from other schools. It's like, Oh, Hey, that's that guy who I fought like two times in the last year. And yeah, it becomes kind of like a friendship too. Like a respect, you know? And, uh, so she was like, Oh, you know, your dad really enjoys that race. Like I'll do it one more time. So then I go back out there and, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the fourth time that I finished and I get done and then there's a new race director there that year. And he tells me, um, Oh, I think this is your race now. I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, I think you have the most finishes. I think four is the most. I was like, Oh, cool. Like, well, I'm done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then he, he emails me two weeks ago. He goes, Oh, I was wrong. You're tied. There's some woman that you're tied, tied with. And you're like, Oh no, man, yeah. I'm back, He's like, no, I'm <laughs> I'm back, back at it. <laughs> so then, uh, later that year I'm running with my friend Katra and, uh, we're at a hundred mile. I think we're doing cool moon 100. And then, um, I was like, Hey, are you going to go out to headlands this year? Cause I usually saw her. She goes, yeah, it's going to be my fifth finish. And I was like, it's you. You're the one that I'm tied with. It was someone who has good friends with. So I told her, yeah, I got to go out there. Cause I guess you and I are tied. And, uh, she started laughing. She goes, well, you know, yours are consecutive though. Cause I didn't do it. I didn't know about this race the first two years that they did it. And she's, so I think I, I think they started it back in 2008. And she goes, you know, yours are consecutive. Mine are, uh, you know, all together. There's a year that I didn't do it. So then we convinced my friend Ed to do it. I think this was my fifth year. Is the fifth or sixth year? I can't remember. I think it was the fifth one. And so the three of us ran it together. And then, so Katra and I finished just a little bit apart from each other. She finished her fifth one. I finished my fifth one. And she goes, hey, this is my last year actually doing this race. You know, it was fun. She does the Tahoe 200. That's in the same month. And oh, that was wow. when the 200 mile race was like started like happening. So she wasn't like this, I'm done. She was like, oh, I'm no, going she, to another I'm just level. Going to something else. Yeah. <laughs> like Katra is like, her story is amazing. She had a very bad addiction problem, got clean, started running. And she is like, uh, her nickname is the dirt diva. Like she's one of those people that when you see her, like, you know who she is. She's all tatted up, super bright clothes. And, uh, she runs hundred mile races like nice. all the time. So, nice. uh, so after, that fifth one, I was like, well, I should go back and get the sixth one, which then became the seventh, which then became 
and I wonder if I could get 10 of them. And uh, so in, uh, my first one was 2010. So it was 2019 because that was 10 years later. I always think it should have been 20, but you know, the first year was zero. Uh, and uh, so 2019, I finished the 10th one. Then uh, COVID hits in 2020. I'm like signed up for the race, just like hoping, Hail Mary, maybe something will happen. And um, the race director, the current race director, because I've been through three different race directors for this race. So that's always been a joke. Every time someone takes over, Mike, you have to keep this one event going. And it seems like every race director tells the next person, hey, there's this guy that shows up every year that you need to make sure that you you keep it going. So it's been really cool to like make friends with the race directors and have all of them know how much this one event means to me that I show up every year and then kind of pass that story on. Because I remember when Greg took over, they didn't know who I was. And I show up, they're like, oh, you're that guy. And nice. for me, it's always weird because, you know, like my background, I'm, I didn't, I was not very athletic up until like my late 20s when I started doing jujitsu. So to have someone acknowledge any kind of athletic anything to me is still just kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you work in a running store, you help out, you know, runners. This is not something that you have to start early on in your life, right? You oh, can no. pick it up at any point in time. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I started running, like I said, like my late, late twenties. Uh, I ran a little bit here and there, like when I was younger, uh, sometimes like before school, but I was never like, it was just for fun. I thought it'd be cool to like get up and like run a little bit. And yeah, that's one thing I really like about the job that I'm at working at a specialty run store is that, you know, we always get these people who are like, well, I'm not a runner. It's like, no one starts like that. Everyone started at ground zero, you know? And, uh, it's funny cause you know, people who know like how many races I've ran and how many ultras, like, I think you go in kind of like anything, like, especially like jujitsu, you know, you go into a gym, you're like, oh, all these people are like so good. It's like, they didn't start that way. Everyone started, started at day one. That's a good point. That is a, a re- <laughs> that's a really good point. I mean, um, you know, I mean, obviously when you, there's a steady progression, it's very similar to jujitsu in that yeah. way. It's interesting, you know, just hearing you describe it, you know, you, you know, you start off and, you know, your goal is to, you know, maybe, you know, just get a blue belt or maybe yeah. I'm just going to come in and get in shape, not even yeah. get a blue belt. And then you, and next thing you know, you, you don't even know what a blue belt is. You don't even know what a blue belt is. You're like, well, I'm going to go in. I've seen this thing and you know, I'm going to go try it out. And then next yeah. thing you know, um, you know, you've done it for years and you're on your way to a black belt. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, for you though, I think, um, I would say that this, this ultra marathon running though is, is a little different. Um, because I don't, I don't, you know, unlike jujitsu, um, the sport is, is really, really growing. It's, it's, um, spreading pretty quickly, but there's not too many people who run a hundred mile races, right? We're not talking about a large group of people. Right. And you know, it's funny cause it's one of those where it's getting more popular, but even with it being more popular, it's still not that popular. You know, you go into like the percentage of Americans that are going to run a marathon in their lifetime. You know, it's like, I think the stat was like 1%, you know, or something like that. That's with marathon running, That's which just is a marathon. pretty popular. Then you take, you know. And I hate to say just a marathon yeah, because yeah. that's, I mean, I, re- I remember, you know, thinking, you know, maybe one day I'd like to run a marathon, but I'm like, oh, hell no, it's just too far. <laughs> right? It is, it is far. <laughs> it's a lot because I, I have, um, I, I, I tracked somebody on a bike one time while they ran yeah. a marathon and um, 
I remember being exhausted the next day. I'm like, why the hell did people do this? Yeah. Um, but a hundred miles, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so how did you progress beyond that? I mean, what was it you said, you know, I need to see about kind of seeing how far I could push myself um, and, and why? And maybe you can explain to the listeners who, who are probably wondering, you know, why, why would anybody want, first of all, run a hundred miles, but you took it way beyond that. Yeah. So... At one time, I had done, and it was a, a charity event. We did a fundraiser for, for Ron McDonald House. And I wanted to do like a point-to-point 100-miler because before this, a lot of them had been like on a course where it's like a 25-mile loop or even like a two-mile loop. My fastest 100-miler was on a course that was actually a two-mile loop. And that was just like you know 50 laps, like let's go, which was nice because you didn't have to carry anything. Every two miles, you had access to food and water. But um, I want to do something point to point. I wanted it to be a fundraiser. And um, the Ronald McDonald House came up. And uh, so I started searching where the nearest Ronald McDonald House was from Fresno to wherever. There's one in Bakersfield. It was like 124-ish miles. And I convinced uh, three of my friends to hang out for the weekend. I was like, hey, like we've all done 100 miles together. Let's, do a, let's just run from Bakersfield to Fresno. And two of them weren't from Fresno. Like one was from the Bay Area. Another one, uh, I think Ed was from down south. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, all right. Then my friend Rudy, who is a Fresno PD officer, he did it with me also. And we just planned on doing it just for fun. We ran, I think, up... uh, God, I can't... We we couldn't take the 41 or the 99. There's another like random highway that runs like the 41... Not 41. I forgot what it was. But we took some little like back road all the way up to like old 99. You know, we had this like real sketchy route and um, we did that uh, one year, try to do it again a couple more years, but it just didn't work out like it did the the other year. So that was my first time doing 100 and I think it was just over 125 as a, as a fundraiser. Um, the other years we ended up doing like uh, relay teams because there were some other people that wanted to do it and uh then it just kind of lost its momentum. We've been talking about doing it again, but that was like the first kind of like, well, we could do a hundred. Let's, let's try 125. Um, and there was one hundred mile event that I did that I think I can't remember if it was before or after that, but they offered 125 mile and it was one of the ones that was on a two mile loop. I thought, you know, that's a good spot to do it. Cause even if I do the hundred, I could walk 25 and see what happens. So uh, I think it was just the curiosity. You know, at this time, there wasn't still a whole lot of like 200-mile events popping up yet. I don't know if there was one. Uh, there's the Badwater uh, event, which my friend is Waldo. I've been lucky enough to go out and crew for him a couple of years. I was there the year that he won, which was awesome because since he won, that means we finished before everybody else. So we got to rest. <laughs> you know, That was like kind of the joke. Like It was an easy race because we were done early. You know, <laughs> Everyone else had to stay out there. Uh, Badwater starts at Badwater Basin, which is the lowest elevation in the continental US. And it ends at Mount Whitney Portal, which is the highest. Damn. Uh, so you don't climb. to A lot of guys will get the, the permit for Mount Whitney. But because it's uh, state park versus, versus national park, they can't get the permitting to go all the way to, to the top of Mount Whitney. So they can only go to the portal. So that's where the race officially ends. Um, and that's where he ended. But you know, and how long is that one? I think it's 135. So 135. Yeah. Okay. They do it in the, they used to do it in the middle of summer. So it's like 125 degrees out in the middle of uh, wow. the desert. And seeing Oswaldo do that, I was like, well, 
man, you know, not that like, oh, well, if you could do it, I could do it. But it was more of seeing the people do it. It's like, okay, well, I could do 125, I think. Yeah. And that's where that kind of started. And then the I I had no interest in doing 200 like ever. I seen them pop up. When Tahoe 200 first came up, I had a little bit of curiosity, you know, like, okay, what's that entail? The time cut off. Like, okay, I could kind of hike that and probably make the cutoff because they give you quite a bit of time. Um, I looked at how much it cost. And I was like, man, you know, that's just a lot of, a lot of commitment to like one thing. And then it just kind of didn't enter my mind. So then COVID happens. And I'm trying to figure out if they're going to put on Headlands 100. And they're like, we're going to push it back a month. Okay, we might have to push it back two months. You know, it's in the San Francisco area. And they're pretty pretty on lockdown at this oh, time. yeah, for sure. And um, so Greg, who's the race director, comes up with this, I think, brilliant idea. We're going to do what he calls uh, open course racing. So he has the course plotted out. And, and I know that the course for Headlands. I mean, I've done it like... It's changed randomly throughout the year depending on... And Headlands covers... It's a 25-mile loop in the Marin Headlands area. And there's always some kind of maintenance going on. So there's always a little bit of a deviation off the trail, but there's, it's an awesome trail system. Like all this stuff connects to each other. I mean, you could get off trail and figure out how to get back on at any point of the course. And, um, so it's always deviated a little bit year to year, but, um, he has the route and basically he sends you a GPS tracker that you're able to do live GPS tracking on. And essentially you go out, you pick a week time span that you're going to try to go out there on your own. It's self-supported. You take your own crew and you basically run the race on your own. And because you're carrying the GPS tracker, he could track you live. And so he could sit at home while he's watching TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually let's see where Dave's at. Yeah. And then oh, it's Dave's like, at this point in time, right on. He's like, Oh, he's going to going, Dave. Yeah. He's going to finish in about two hours. I'm going to go out there and see him finish, you know? And um, so Greg's doing his best during COVID to try to keep trail running going, trying to keep some kind of competitiveness to it. And I get an email saying, hey, this is what we're going to do, but we're going to do 150 miles instead of 100. Okay. And at this point in time, you've never done 150 miles Right. Before. And I was like, man, F this guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping it clean for your show. But I was, I was not happy. I was like, man, this guy, like... What a jerk. And why did he do this? What, 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 did he give you explanations why he, he, just, he bumped it up? He just wanted to bump it up. I don't know. We, know, we never really <laughs> talked about it. So I emailed him the next day. I was like, dude, you're, you're a jerk. <laughs> How do I sign up? And he jokes with me. So there's this guy, uh, Ken, that I'm good friends with that I met through ultra running. And uh, he lives up in the Bay Area. And it was him and Ken who came up. With, and it, so from what they told me later is that they planned on doing the 150 anyway before COVID even started. They're, they were going to make like special announcement. Hey, during Headlands 100, we're going to add a 150 miler. So I guess Greg asked Ken, do you think anyone would do 150? He goes, oh, I know. The first person who's going to sign up, David's going to. So... <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny that I was the first person who they... So he didn't even give you the option of doing people the option. Well, if you want to do 100 mile and you want to do 150 mile, he yeah. gave you a choice. He was like, yeah, no, was everybody like, who signs up for this is doing 150. Yeah, you're going to do the 150. You're going to do it on your own. Oh, man. <laughs> you're going to carry this tracker. And uh, so I was like, cool, like let's let's do it. And with the hopes that the 100 miler is still going to go on at the end of the year. So this was kind of like, we still want to do the official event, but to kind of hold you guys over... Uh, let's do this 150 event. You pick, 
and he so he limited it right so not a lot of people signed up anyway i think there's just a handful so part of it was you pick the week you pick like a 7 day window that you want to go cuz they have to mail the gps tracker to you and you have to mail it back and they only have so many trackers so like if you and i wanted to do it but there's two other people this one week three of the gps trackers are gone so you're going to have to wait you're going to have to wait so you pick your week i'll get my week go out there and uh, everything was good. I had a, I had a crew, kind of like my same usual people, my buddy Chris, my wife, uh, my friend Sarah, a couple people who I met through the running store that I work at, uh, the Zalazo family. I said their last name correct. I always j- jack it up. Uh, the Shana and DJ and their daughter Trinity came out and helped me out. So I had like a cool, good crew. And um, as you know, I have some Achilles tendon issues. I have a a little bit of bursitis and tendonitis. And that was, you've been dealing with for quite a few years now. Yeah, it's been a while. I actually ran my marathon PR with it, which I probably should have started taking a break then. But, um, you know, I've, I figured out how to train through it. Then I figured out that maybe sometimes I shouldn't be training through it. And I've taken some time off. And it's uh, something that I deal with, but it's like really subsided uh, compared to how it has been. I've figured out how to kind of work around it and let it kind of heal as best it can. But, um, it was really flaring up that weekend. I was out there trying to do the 150. I got the first 100 done pretty good. Then it started flaring up. And around mile uh, 120, I was like, man, this is just... It's going south really quick. And um, this was the summer of 2020. Uh, no, no, sorry. It was uh, October. It was, yeah, it was the fall. Yeah, fall it was early, early October. Because we kept pushing the the race back. And then... I know I wasn't as trained trained as well as I could have been. Um, we had all these fires in California. So it's like, you can't really go outside and run. I don't have a treadmill. Yeah, I was trying to do a lot of workouts on my, uh, on my bike indoors. And, you know, part of me is like, man, that's kind of like excuses. But the same, there's like a two-week spot where it's like, you just kind of go outside, you know. Uh, it kept everyone wearing their masks for COVID because you, <laughs> you couldn't breathe anyway. I mean you'd step outside. I was like, man, like it's, you didn't want to go outside the, especially here in the Valley. Yeah. I mean, I mean it just here in the Valley, I mean, if, if you're listening to this and you don't, you've never been to the San Joaquin Valley, I mean, the air quality can get really bad, but yeah. with the fires, it's just some, and some days you just can't yeah. be out. I mean, you can, but you're probably doing more damage to your lungs and helping them. Yeah. My car was like wrecked every, every day. Like you, I didn't even bother washing it, you know, and you could barely see out, the window sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so the fire's really bad. Couldn't really train that well. Went out there, you know, and did the best I could. I ended up having to cut it down, you know, and I ended up stopping. I didn't hit the 150. Uh, when I was done, my watch showed I was like 125 miles, I think, on the course because GPS is only so accurate. Um, and when you're stopping, sometimes it still logs a little bit of miles. I, I probably really did like 120 on the course because I didn't go. There's a part where you go underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and climb back out. And I was like, my Achilles tendon was really bothering me. I was like, if I climb down there, I'm probably not going to climb back out very easily. So uh, I had to make the decision to stop, which was hard because I've never had a DNF, which did not finish is what DNF stands for. Never had one of those on that course. So I was like... So you were very familiar with this yeah. terrain. So yeah, I mean, it was... And probably, you probably went going into it, you knew that this was, you know, obviously quite a task, but 
you probably felt fairly confident yeah. in that you knew the terrain, you, yeah. you knew this area. Um, it was just an additional 50 miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, you know, when, which is nothing. When you say right? it out loud, I mean, it yeah. sounds a little stupid. I mean, it sounds absolutely <laughs> insane, Dave. Just let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> it's just another 50 miles. Yeah. Like, no, that's just, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So at what point in time, um, did you know? So you said at about 120 miles. And so when you know, tell, can you explain what's that feeling like when you just like, you know, this is it, man. I can't. Yeah. You know, it was funny cause we left mile hundred and, uh, DJ was with me and Trinity and we're running and they're like, man, you're like moving. Like, I can't believe you're hundred in like you're coherent. You're not all loopy, you know? And I was that hundred miles was, it was a slow hundred miles. I wasn't going crazy. I was like, you know, very, conservative about my time and uh so i was well rested considering everything that was going on and uh then i I think it was just one of those my uh, achilles tendon started to like really feel tight and then it got to the point where i was taking a little bit more breaks like we got to a spot where there would normally be an aid station which there wasn't because it wasn't an actual like race at this time but we get down to i think it was mirror beach like there's a bench so i sit down for a while and then uh we get to Tennessee Valley. And I, I think I took a nap in the car. And at that point, I really wanted to stop. And uh, I was like, you know, I think I'm done. And I was like, you know, give me an hour. Let me let me take a little bit of a nap and let me rest. And then I just never really came back from that. I think I, I think it was a combination. I think I mentally kind of threw it in a little bit, and then that kind of helped with the physical breakdown. I look back at it and it's, it's good that I stopped because I think that I honestly would have physically injured myself. Um, I think my injury was very flared up and it was hard. It was hard for my wife because she knows what's going to happen mentally if I don't finish that I'm just going to like dwell on it, you know, and, and everyone was really making sure like, Hey, like if this is what you want to do, we're cool with that, but we need to know that this is what you want to do. I feel, you know, some of them uh, had crewed for me before and they, they kind of know what I need to hear, which I, I make it a rule for them to never ask how I'm feeling during a race. Cause you all, almost always feel like, like crap. So that's something that you, you don't want. Somebody, yeah. They don't, you don't, well, you don't want it. The question, Hey, how, how, yeah. how, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling, bro? <laughs> you good to go? I'm 75 miles in. I feel horrible. I'll be like, no motherfucker. I'm <laughs> yeah. fucking tired. Yeah. I want it, you know, yeah. <laughs> so like go home and rest. Yeah. There's a, Hey, looking good. You know, stuff like that. I could deal yeah. with How are you feeling? It's like, and there's times where you're like, Oh man, I feel awesome. But there's yeah. times or I'll tell them like when I come in, like, Hey, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good right now. Or I'll tell them I can't feel tired. Like I'm, I'm fairly Good so about. what you want to hear when when you start hitting that that point in time where you know hey you're going to be experiencing maybe a little bit of adversity it's just like man you're looking good yeah it's, it's, it's looking good Dave. or just what do you need hey or what do you need? what do you need what do you need me to do and sometimes it's like I need you just not talk to me <laughs> and they should be okay with hearing yeah. that yeah <laughs> and, uh, you know it's funny like looking back at races like my mom and I at times used to like argue during my events about how picky i am and you know all this stuff and it's funny we'll look back on it now and it, i think that made, you guys argue during or after oh, it was during all the time <laughs> there's what is she telling you what's, what's mom <laughs> telling you i'm being a jerk and i'm an asshole and all this kind of it's funny <laughs> we used to go back and forth and uh she luckily had i think a couple people who i have a youtube channel that i would post videos of all my races on and there's one 
race in particular where her and I were just kind of, I don't know what it was. We were just going at it every time I saw, you know, they're, they're taking their whole day to go out and help me out at these races. And I see them every five miles and her and I, for just whatever reason, she's like, you know, you've been a little prima donna. You're being too picky and da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm asking for help with certain, you know, we're going back and forth. And then, uh, you know, she's like kind of playfully call me a jerk, you know? And then, um, I remember this one particular race. I, there's a part where they can't get to the next aid station. It's like a little out and back section. I run out, get to the aid station, come back, and then I see her again. And she just goes, Hey, I'm how she is basically like a, I'm going to apologize for how uh, I've been talking to you today. And I was like, What do you mean? And she got a little teary eyed. She goes, Someone walked up to me and said, Your son's that guy from Fresno. And she's like, Yeah. Then this woman tells her, I watched his videos and they inspired me to do this. I want to be out here today if it wasn't for watching that. And wow. she was like, wow. okay, you're, you're not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I take it all back. <laughs> but there is a, there is a funny video over actually. You're at, only kind of a prima donna. <laughs> yeah. You're only kind of a, kind of an asshole. There's a one video that it, it's pretty funny. It's during a, it's funny now looking at it at the time. It wasn't funny. I had this whole thing with uh drinking Dr. Pepper during my races. And I would get kind of picky, like, Hey, I want it like this particular way. So what I would do is I tell him, get an ice bottle or get a bottle, pack it with ice. Then when I come in, I'm going to fill the bottle with Dr. Pepper that I'm going to leave, right? I'm just going to take off from the aid station. That way I have this really cold Dr. Pepper. There'll be some in the bottle. The ice is going to melt. They'll just have like a watery kind of Dr. Pepper. Yeah, you hydrate and you get your sugar and yeah. all, all at the same time. Your caffeine all in one. <laughs> yeah, it tastes great. So there's footage, my friend. Uh, I think Chris had the camera. He's in, in, in the very background and you see my mom and I talking. I'm like at the ice chest and she hands me the bottle. It's the bottles halfway filled with Dr. Pepper and that's it. And I remember the conversation and I said, well, where's my, my bottle with ice? And she's like, well, here's your bottle with Dr. Pepper. Put the ice in. I go, no, that's not what I asked. I asked to, this is being picky, right? Like I, I, I that's to, not fucking picky. <laughs> damn it. You asked for ice in the bottle. Yeah. So it would bell. I mean, there's a whole process there. Yeah. That's not going to happen as you put it in and, there. I, yeah. No, I could. Yeah. I would probably if if that was my thing, I would probably be pissed yeah. too. And she goes, <laughs> I go, well, where's the ice? And she's like, well, there's ice in this ice chest. I go, no, I'm putting my hands in this ice chest. My hands are dirty, right? <laughs> this is not the ice I'm putting in the bottle. She goes, well, the the ice chest because I I used to bring so much stuff. Like now my my trips, I, I maybe bring like a bag of stuff. I used to pack like ice chests full of like, you know, cause I'd be concerned like the crew needs food. I need food. And, uh, I'd overpack every time. And now my packing is way better. But, um, my mom goes, well, there's ice in the cars. So I'm like, where'd you park the car over there? I'm like, I'm trying to run a race. Now I got to go another like 50 yards off course to like get some ice. <laughs> so Chris is videotaping this and you see me looking at the bottle and her and I are talking. And I'm like staring at the bottle the whole time and I slam it in the ice chest and just take off. <laughs> And, uh, and you went back to running? I went back to running just like, <laughs> man, didn't have my Dr. Pepper. So it was, you know, a funny story. But then it it actually let her and I, when the race was all over, sit down afterwards. And she was like, I don't understand why it's a big deal. Then I explained to her, I go, look, this is why it's a big deal. Because at that point, I'm super tired. I'm exhausted. And I like it this way because... It's going to be like I explained like the whole breakdown process, right? Like I'm going to right, have some Dr. Right. Pepper. It's going to be cold. The ice is going to melt. I'm going to have this cold ice. The bottle's cold. It's just part of the, the process. Yeah. And being able to sit down and, and I think that's the thing. Life, right? Miscommunication. Yeah. Or no. just thinking that this is what this person wants, but maybe I could do it a little bit better. Not realizing how dialed in they had the process. Like how yeah. much 
they had to already do what you just did to realize that that's not quite what they need to do it another way. Right. And so after we really talked and it allowed her not to really sit down and talk about part of the process for me of like what I need. And, um, it was really a great incident because it allowed us to have a more open conversation as to how, okay, well at this particular race, you think you want this, you know, why? So that I can know why, and know like the you know because some people just need to know the reason why uh, with lots of stuff you know I found that working with different people and just life in general so it helped us actually improve our communication a lot as to why I do specific things that I do and have her I think understand my process and yeah be more will you know I think that when you really kind of dive into like hey I'm going to do this because of X Y and Z and people are really going to listen to it then they really take the time to understand it and you know. Yeah. Um, so let let's let's talk about. So you basically you didn't finish the race, right? Right. You, you didn't, didn't finish, finish the race. So let's. Uh, so number one. So the the hard the, thing about not finishing this is what yeah. sucks, right? My parents weren't able to go out to the race. Okay. So I was like, it was weird because especially like there's one spot of the race where I see my dad every year, and uh, yeah, every time I turn that coin, I'm like, God, it'd be so cool to see him with his camera right now because he's always there taking photos, and um. I'm texting them during the race. I have very limited uh, cell phone signal out there, but I'm trying to like post stuff as often as I can. Then my parents, I get a text from them as I'm walking back. Uh, Cause even when I decided like I'm done doing this, I still had to walk like another 10 miles Damn. back to the car. So it was a long, like, uh, God, I feel like crap. And, uh, and that 10 miles isn't tacked on to your, right. Your, uh, yeah, my, your watch is, my watch is still running, you know, but it doesn't, yeah. you know, and, uh, then my mom's like, well, we're here. I was like, fuck, you know, like you guys actually showed up and I'm not going to finish. And just that feeling of like, man, you, you took this trip out here wow. and I'm not going to, not going to pull it off, you know? And, uh, it was very emotional, you know, it was, uh, it was rough. Uh, and I knew it was going to be, I've had a couple did not finishes before and, you know, I try to figure out how to bounce back from them. And, uh, I remember, you know, it was, it was very difficult getting back there and, you know, especially being in town because, there's people that knew that I was doing the event and, you know, just hearing like, Oh man, like that was still like a great effort and not being able to be happy about the effort, you know? And just like, well, no, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And, um, hearing people tell you that you did something extraordinary, but deep down feeling like, well, I didn't because I didn't do what I wanted to do, but trying to allow yourself, I think to, have that feeling of accomplishment, even though you didn't quite accomplish the goal, uh, was very difficult. And I think it was about a day or two after I got back in town. I was like, I was sitting there. I was like, I'm either going to go back there or I'm not going to go back there at all. Like either that was my last like hurrah out there and I don't want it to end that way or, or I'm going to go back and I need to like really think about what I want to do. And then uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back out. I'm going to do 200 miles. Fuck that race. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those, you know, I'm either going to go back and do it and do more of what I couldn't do or I'm not going to, or I'm just done. And so, um, I picked my birthday as turning 44 on April 1st. Uh, that seemed like a good, which is, I'm sorry, one tr- month, one month ago, one month today. ago. Yeah. I turned is on April 4th that I turned, uh, 
44. I fear if I started April 1st, I could finish, on, end it on, I could finish on my birthday. And on your birthday. Yeah, because this isn't done in a few hours, folks. We're talking no, about is, <laughs> 200 miles take, of running. Is it going to take you, yeah. you know, you know, 12 hours? Yeah. We're talking about a couple of days here. Yeah, it, it took 81 hours to... 81 Spoiler hours. Spoiler alert, folks. I finished the 200. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's, yeah. let's kind of... We'll stop right there real quick. And we're going to kind of uh, uh, bring in the... Um, the We Defy Foundation and the fundraising that you did. Um, so you didn't finish the 150 mile race. You made the decision. I'm going to go back out there and I'm going to finish 200 miles. Right. Right. And in addition to that, you decided to throw in some fundraising along with it. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about the fundraising aspect of it. Why did you choose uh, the We Defy Foundation and, uh, well, first of all, you can explain the We Defy Foundation um, to go along with that. And then you can talk a little bit about that 200-mile race and what that was like running that, that race um, and the experience. We already know you did finish. So the experience of being able to um, not just set that goal but meet the goal. Yeah. Um, so after deciding to do it, I wanted to – kind of tag something on it that was going to really make me finish, right? Like I needed some kind of reason to do it besides just to do it, I think. And as you know, some of the guys that we train with are veterans. And I think there's a post. I didn't realize that Kale, who we trained with, I'd met like years before we opened the gym, uh, before I met him here. And it was uh, one of the guys that we trained with at uh, Steve's. Um, Fernando Mendez did a 22 mile walk one day on the 22nd for the suicide awareness of veterans for the 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. And, um, I'd met a few veterans that day and have always kind of felt like hearing their stories when we did that walk, it was just like, man, like I have not come close to experiencing anything that these guys have experienced and you know, they're here right now, and man, they've gone through some stuff. And one of our good training partners, uh, Randy, um, you know, just being able to talk with him a lot. I mean, Randy's helped me through a lot of my own mental struggles. Just having him as a friend, you know, we'd go yeah, in. And- so just to let the, the uh, listeners know, so Randy is uh, a good friend of ours and uh, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he's also an ambassador for the We Defy Foundation. Combat veteran. He's a Marine just all around, um, outstanding man. And, uh, we've been training him with him for probably around 10 years now. Yeah. Something like that. And, um, so I wanted to kind of tag something with this 200 mile event because I was already deciding to do it. Then I thought, well, maybe to train for it. So the original idea was to do some training that would be the fundraiser because I wasn't too sure what 200 miles was going to look like as far as training wise. And, so I thought, well, maybe I'll do 22 miles a day for like 22 days or something like that. And had all these kind of training ideas that just as time started getting closer, I didn't have time to actually do any of the, like the training that I really planned on doing. I thought I was going to have to maybe do a little bit more higher volume, but I didn't. But I got together one day with uh, Randy and Kale. You know, it was on a Saturday that they were training. I said, hey, like if I could talk to you guys for a little bit... Um, and about some, I bounce some ideas off you guys. So I told them, you know, what I originally wanted to do was, you know, run a bunch of miles so many days in a row. 
um, before I, I realized like, okay, I should just do it for the 200 miler. Um, I asked them, you know, what, as being veterans, like what groups would be, what would be a good organization to, to fundraise for? And, you know, Randy kind of joking like, you know, well, not to be biased, <laughs> but I'm an ambassador for, for We Defy. And what they do is they help sponsor veterans like with PTSD and they find Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools that they kind of align with. And I believe it's, it's one year that they pay their, their school cost. Yeah, so if they apply and they get the sponsorship, they pay for their dues for one year, and they also get a McGee, and they find them a school to train at. Yeah, and uh, you know, knowing how many veterans we have, just that we've trained with, uh, what they've done, what they've sacrificed, you know, that I can't even imagine doing, and loving jujitsu and knowing how much. Jiu-Jitsu has helped me with my own personal stuff and uh you know having some very good training partners be veterans it just made sense right and I was like okay well this is this is something that sounds good it it checks all the boxes and let's uh let's do that and then um yeah so when it t- came time to kind of attach it to something I was staying I think relatively quiet about the the run just in general. And then a, a few weeks before is when I started like kind of announcing like, Hey, I'm going to go out to Marin and go for a, a long hike. I think is what I kept telling people. Uh, and then that's when I started kind of tagging we defy in it and, uh, kind did of, did re- you contact? Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. I contacted them and, uh, sometimes I procrastinate a little bit too much and didn't, I didn't contact them as thoroughly as I intended to, and then, uh, you know, like I contacted, kind of reached out and they're like, oh, this is the person who you want to contact. And then just like, you know, work gets busy, life gets busy. And I was like, man, I haven't contacted this person yet. Because I wanted to figure out like, what's the best option? Like, do I do a, a GoFundMe and give that to them? Can they make a link for me? And uh, I just thought, you know what? On Instagram and Facebook, they always have fundraising stuff. Like every time it's around your birthday, they always shoot something out like, oh, you should do a fundraiser for your birthday. So... I just typed in We Defy and they popped up as one of the organizations that they had the fundraising for. So I was like, well, that's easy. I'm just going to go ahead and do it this way. You put your goal and everything. And uh, so it made it really easy to do the fundraiser. And what I did was just while I think the week leading up to it, I started kind of like posting like, hey, I'm going to go out to you know, Marin County. I'm going to go 200 miles. And uh, yeah, if you guys have some extra money, it's my birthday. <laughs> it's Easter, right? Uh, which... You know, it's funny, like the significance of it being on Easter, uh, I just thought was, you know, kind of cool. You know, the whole, I felt like this was like a little bit of a a resurrection of my own because I was like, really, I was really in a spot where I was like, man, if, if this does, doesn't happen, it might be, I kind of went in thinking this might be my last outing, you know, over here. Like if, and I hate to make it sound like, oh, if I don't finish, I'm not going to do it again. But you do start to kind of, for me, like, okay, how many more of these do I have in me? Like, how many more of these do I need to do? Yeah, and it's not like, um, well, just because you do it, it, it gets easier, right? Correct. It, I mean, you, you're you're, ba- you're going to suffer. There's yeah. suffering involved. There's yeah. no, well, I've done this before, so you know what? This is this second time, third time, tenth time around, even with the 100 milers, you're going to suffer. Yeah. There's a period in time where you're going to kind of question, man, I don't know. Yeah. 
that happens like a majority the majority of the time you know what am i doing out here like why am i and that's where i think being able to tie it with the fundraiser really you know for me when i do these events i tend to try to disassociate myself with what's going on and i almost kind of look at it as like while i'm out there doing the event like there's something bothering me i kind of look like a like a diagnostics check i'm like okay my right legs hurting are is your stride off are you carrying too much weight blah 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 and i won't look at it as like my legs hurting it's just like the person who's running like i try not to focus on it being me and i try to correct it and i try to kind of you know get this weird third person uh look at it and being able to know that when things were going to go south that like well, hey, I'm doing this as a fundraiser, so you need to f- really figure out how to get this working when it's going bad. Um, helped, and you know, honestly, the first 150, like I felt really, like my training was really solid. My cross training was really good. Um, I'm really into doing just like stuff outside of running and jujitsu. You know, like uh, I was talking to one of my friends about it the other day, like training. And it was just kind of you know we're laughing about because I said you know I'd I'd like to keep my physical training up to a point where if a 50 mile race comes up or a hundred mile race, even if someone calls me up and says, Hey, do you want to do this event in like three weeks? I could be like, yeah, I might not be able to do it fast, but I know that I could do it. So when I think of kind of fitness, that's what I kind of think of. Like, you know, I want to be able to go like, like if you called me up and like, Hey, I'm going to go hike Mount Whitney. I have an extra pass. Can you go? I don't like, Oh, I need to go get in shape for it. I'm be like, yeah, like, let's go do it. Like this weekend, I'm ready to go. So, uh, my, my cross training was like on top of it and I actually felt really good. Um, I started to mentally kind of not want to finish <laughs> again, which I knew was going to happen right. Uh, around, I think mile 185, like, uh, it was just getting tiring, you know, when you're out there that long, um, you just start to get really mentally fatigued. I had taken, so when I did the 200, I wanted to rest a little bit, but not too much. At mile 50, I actually took a like a two-hour nap in the car. And then at mile 100, I think I took like a three-and-a-half-hour nap. And then the plan was for the last 100 just to go, just to power hike and run when I could. And um, so, so at 100 miles, you were basically, I'm going to put the... Yeah. to the pedal. Yeah, and, I'm just gonna do this. Gonna go because I knew that I was drastically going to slow down. Also, so I was like, okay, if I'm gonna slow down, I'm just gonna keep going. But, so when you're running a, a long race like this, it, do, does it get to the point to where you you know that if I begin to dial it back, I won't finish? Do you? It, so what what is it like? Is is it just do you have ups and downs, or is it that you know getting towards the end, I know I have to go and not dial it back. A little bit of, you know, so usually, so if it's a race, there's cutoffs also. It's like, there's like, you have to finish within X amount of time. There's, there's a time period. There's a time cutoff, yeah. My, so uh, you can't take a nap out there for, right. for 12 hours, yeah. wake up and, and then, you know, go. Basically, yeah. you, you're you you're allotted a certain amount of time. If you don't finish, then Correct. that's yeah. it. The race you is you over might show up to an aid station like, hey, like, your cutoff was 10 minutes ago. Sorry, you're done. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I had that's that happen the, the first year I did the San Diego 100. We went off trail. We were off trail for like got an hour and a half or two, my friend Kyle and I, and we just like missed one of the markers. And we're like, I don't know where we are, but this isn't right. Like I haven't seen a... They usually mark the course with the ribbons. 
like these pink ribbons so you could like see and uh <laughs> we're like we're on the single track we're like i haven't seen a ribbon but we were on single track so it makes sense there's no turn well there was a turn we just didn't see it it wasn't marked very well and uh they're like well i think this is wrong so we turn around we run back we're like well maybe it's right then we run back out <laughs> a little bit further and we're just going back and forth and you know like now gps watches they have like topo maps and all this cool stuff built in like it's super hard to get lost you know i had the 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 route for the course program in on my watch that has a topo map on it so i could physically see like the elevation gain like how much longer i'm going uphill like how much more the next downhill is going to be and uh you know the technology from when i started doing these things to now is just you know it's ridiculous like how how great everything is but um yeah i know even with uh doing this last one there was still that i went in knowing and you know i was kind of have a pep talk i don't know if i call it pep talk talk with myself and i allow myself to feel good during the race and i also allow myself to feel like crap and i tell myself going in there's going to be times where it feels good there's gonna be times where it doesn't you just have to accept that and that's just kind of life right like there's it's funny because i was really thinking about it on the way up to the right up to the run uh that week and uh, when we were driving up there, you know, it, it reminds me of life because there's a lot of times where like during these long distance events where you just, you go into like this, just like really dark spot, you know, and it feels like it's forever. Then you realize, man, that was only a mile. Like that wasn't that long. Like that was like a 10 to 12 minute section, maybe 15, you know, and the dark times feel like they go on for so long, but they're usually pretty short. And the good times feel like they're super short, but they tend to go on for a really long time. Because I think when you're when it's going well, you don't pay attention to it as much. You're just like kind of riding it, right? Like I'm just going to go till the wheels fall off. I'm going to feel great. Yeah, that's, you're that's riding life. that wave. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it's funny because I was thinking about like just in general times in my life where I felt like life was just not going well. You know, then I start looking at the dates. I'm like, oh, that was like a week. In the grand scheme of things, like a week isn't really that bad. You can get through a week of feeling shitty. You know, you could have months where everything's great and just take it for granted. But when you have that one crappy day or two, man, it feels like the weight of everything is just bearing down on you. Man, it's very true. And uh, so that was one thing that I kind of went in telling myself, like, hey, if you're feeling bad, just realize that. It's not as bad as it actually feels like it is. It's just going to be elevated in your perception. And then tying it in with the the funders, I was like, hey, these guys you're trying to raise money for, they've been through a lot more harder shit than you are. You're volunteering to just go out and spend the weekend in a very beautiful spot. I mean, I don't know if you've been up to Marin, but man, if you're going to suffer somewhere, like that's the spot to do it. It's beautiful out there, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm going underneath the golden gate bridge i've got i went under it like so what did you did you think (laughs) did you you know think about that while you were running did you think about the foundation yeah think about the experiences of combat veterans and and while you were maybe having your your lows yeah and just you know that what i'm doing isn't i guess it's not difficult but it's not like i'm not gonna die doing it i'm not gonna you know go through mentally what they have to go through you know this is something that i'm doing just because it's a challenge you know it's not a uh 
It's not, I, I could stop anytime, you know, it's like jujitsu, right? If I could tap whenever, whenever I want this to stop, I can make it stop whenever I want. Same yeah. thing with this. I could have stopped at mile 50 and been like, Hey, you know what? That's what I had today. I know I was shooting for X, Y, and Z, but this is what I got. You know, with, with those guys, when they're out there, they don't necessarily get to like, Hey, I'm cool. Like, let's, yeah, let's, no, let's call the day. Without a doubt. And then, you know, couple that with the challenges that combat veterans have when they come back home, right? We're just right. now beginning to understand uh, PTSD and, you know, trauma and what it does to you. And so you have, you know, combat veterans, you know, they do with the psychological trauma, the physical trauma. Um, there's just so many issues that uh, they're, they're faced with. And which is, you know, I th- one of the reasons why I think the We Defy Foundation is just absolutely outstanding. And when I uh, spoke with TJ, you know, he talked about just how beneficial jujitsu is for combat veterans. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really st- stoked that you chose the foundation because I had been reading about We Defy for quite a while. And I just, uh, I think the work that they do is absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm sure you know, COVID, you know, was a rough period for them, for the foundation, um, as it was for all jujitsu practitioners and all, uh, gym owners and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely an outstanding, uh, foundation to support. So let's talk about the finish of the race, kind of, you know, what you felt as you were finishing it. And then, uh, maybe you can get into how much money you raised. Yeah. Um, so the course that I did, it was a 25 mile loop and, you go clockwise, counterclockwise, you switch directions every time and we made it to the 150 mile mark. So the one part of diversity that I really had to overcome, my GPS watch, uh, I can't remember now if it was at mile 150 or if it was at mile 175. I think it was at mile 150. No, it was at mile 175 because I remember the way that I was coming in on the loop. Um, no, no, sorry. Mile 150. I come in, pull up the map and my watch freezes. I'm like, that's not good. Like nothing's coming on. I can't power it off. Can't power it on. I think it just had kind of like overheated or just been, you know, been on at this point for like, I don't even know how many hours, like 65 or something like that or 60. And, um, at that point I was kind of in a, Hey, I'm done. Like whatever. I I did 150 like good enough, you know. And everyone let me kind of have my little pity party and sit down in the car and get something to eat and kind of cool off and you know, in my head I was like you did 150, that's good enough and was kind of getting getting that like you sh- you need to go out, you need to finish the rest of it and mentally going back and forth with what I wanted to do. And then I said, you know, what? it's, it's not like an official race. It sucks that, you know, I can't have it logged <laughs> on my fitness tracker. Right. But I know the course, I know the mileage will be right. And then I just finally came to accept like, Hey, your watch took a crap, whatever. Then I, I left it alone. I ate told everyone, give me a half hour. I just need to like kind of sit in the car by myself and kind of like collect myself. And then as soon as I kind of accepted that everything was just going south, uh, I got my watch to start working again. 
So it was one of those like, cool, I got it going. And then I think it was at that point that I decided instead of doing the loop, at one point we we deviated from the course. Um, I decided I did not want to do the loop again. I wanted to just like kind of explore some of the trail out there. I kind of felt like that was totally fine to do because it was an official event anyway. And I had ran the 150 on the designated course for the 150 and that there's so much in Marin that as much as I've ran out there, there's all these little parts trails on that trail system that I've never seen before. I was like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to explore some of that. And I think it was at mile 150 that we decided, okay, my favorite parts of the trail are going from like Rodeo beach to Tennessee Valley, then back up to the bridge and down. Like we, I forgot what the exact route was, but we did like a few loops in this like really kind of weird way. And then, um, at the very end, I think it was around mile 185. I was like, God, I just don't feel like I want to do another 15 miles. And my wife luckily was like really pushing me to like, Hey, like we're already out here. I was feeling a little bit of guilt too, right? It was Easter. I had quite a few people out there. I had the Salazzo family came out again. They were there from the very beginning, from when I very first started to like it ended. My mom was out there the whole time. My wife, my daughter, my mother-in-law, um, the my friend Alex who helps coach over at uh, our training groups of Fleet Feet. I just had all these people out there helping me out. And I was feeling really guilty about like, man, this is their Easter you know, and they're, they're out here. I, I was feeling like they wanted to be at home and, uh, two of my kids are with their, their mom. And I was really trying to get to see them on that day. You know, it was Easter. It was my birthday. And I was really just wanted to like be done with it in a way. And luckily my wife kept pushing me like, Hey, like you're out here. Like you need to, you need to finish this thing up no matter, no matter what, like, these people are here to support you to do this thing. Don't worry about how long it's taking. And so she was great. She really got me to, you know, kind of kicking and screaming at the end. Uh, one thing that I, I told myself I wouldn't do, which I did do, I uh, take a camera with me when I do these things. And I told myself, I'm going to keep the camera on me the whole time, even when it goes bad. And uh, I think at mile 175, I left the camera like in the car. I was like, I don't want to film this last uh, 25 miles. I wish I did. You know, that's the one thing that I really kind of kick myself about is that I didn't get that really low point on video because I feel like those points are very important to document because I don't want people ever thinking like, oh, it's just so easy to go do this and you yeah. record. You know, it's like a right. It's like an Instagram and Facebook profile. You post all the cool cool stuff that happens in your life and you don't post any of the crap. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, that's kind of. You know, it's a little fake too, yeah. right? If yeah. You just you know, if if you're gonna document your run, and you want people to kind of see what it's really like, you want to give them those moments. I mean, personally, yeah. I want to see that because I know damn well you could run 200 miles, right? Yeah. And you're gonna have um, some probably you know pretty good moments where you're feeling really great about yourself and how things are going, and you're probably having some moments that you're describing right now. Um, where you're having to come overcome some serious adversity if you yeah. want to make it to that finish line. Yeah. And uh, luckily, you know, I, I had the right people there to help push me to the end. And uh, it, was, it was really cool to finish it. You know, I think ego still gets in the way because it's like, well, am I finishing in the way that I want to finish? Am I like taking too long? It just, you know, just 
regular human stuff that gets in the way. And you know, luckily, like I said, I had the right people that there. Fucking ego, man. I know, right? God, God damn. gets in so, the way of everything sometimes, right? <laughs> it's obnoxious. You know? I know. It's there for all of us. Yeah. You know, we want to put it in its place, but man, it keeps crawling out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, so luckily, you know, like I said, I had the right people there to get me to the finish. My wife was a big, you know, big part of that. She's like, you know, you need to finish. And uh, is that okay for for the people who are supporting you to say? Is it okay for them to say, "Hey, you need to you"? It, it is. Sometimes I need that. You know, yeah. I, I need that more than it's okay to. You know, I don't want them to say it's okay to quit. I don't want them to say it's not okay to quit at the same time. Yeah. But I think for me, what I need more is that. Hey, I know you need to figure out that if this is what we're going to call it, how are you going to feel when you get home? Like, yeah. are you are you are you going to be okay with it? But your crew, your family, the people who are out there who are supporting you, I mean, they know you, right? Yeah. They know you best. Yeah. And they, and they probably, at this point in time, know what you need to hear, what you don't need to hear. Yeah. And sometimes what they need to say is what I don't want to hear. And that's, that's, very, that's life. That's life too, yeah. You know? And uh, How do you take that? You know, it was one of those, I had a very... So when we when we finished, right, it was it was very kind of odd because I had the whole like, well, I finished, but like like what now, you know? And I think that happens a lot for me at the end of events like that because you spend so much time and energy on something that it does become a little bit of a like same thing with jujitsu tournaments, right? You train for the for this tournament, then you go. Let's say you do really well, you know, like the the few that I have, then you're just like like the few times I've done well. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, well, what now? Like, yeah. do I just find another one? Or what What do I do? It's like constantly kind of feed that that little bit of a, a high you get from probably, doing it's it. Probably a little sometimes. different though with what, what you do in that. I mean, this is this is something that, well, first of all, not very many people do this, right? Right. There's only so many people who are alive in the United States who run 200-mile races. Yeah. Right, we're talking about really just a handful of people. Yeah. So it's a, it, it definitely is a, 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 I would say a lot different than training for a tournament. So I can understand the, maybe the sense of, I don't know if it, the, this is the correct word, maybe a sense of loss, like damn, like it's over and yeah, it's like what the hell. I mean, I felt that way when I finished my dissertation. You know, I I had carried around that damn project with me for literally a few years, more than a few years, and when it was over, it wasn't like I was happy. Right. It was almost like I was sad. Yeah. I was just like, what What the hell? I'm not doing this anymore. It's like, what am I going to do now? And so, I mean, that was the first thing I thought about when you described the way that you felt at the end of the race. Yeah. We were looking through, a, there's a website called Ultra Sign Up. That's the website that most races use to sign up for races. And my friend Matt that I work with, he was looking at my profile while we were at work the other day. <laughs> He's like, you have like 77 events on here within the 10 years. Yeah, you know, I have seventy seven. Most of those are all within the first few years. And you know yeah, that's that's incredible, man. Part that's of that is absolutely just amazing. That, that chasing of like, well, what now? Yeah. Sign up for another one. You know? Yeah. Uh so I mean I I don't want to get too deep on so why? Why why do you what is it about running or what is it about you? What's what's inside of you that says, you know, what now? Because you know what? Not everybody's like that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have you thought about that? I have. You know, I think uh, at times I'm very lucky to have two parents who are very 
driven and stubborn people. I think that's what's allowed me to have success at times with this stuff is that it's very hard. It's very hard for me not to accomplish something that I set out to do. And sometimes I know that the goals that I set are a little bit out of reach, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, that's the whole point of it is trying to do something that's out of reach. You know, otherwise like, you know, with jujitsu. Why Dave? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know. You know, <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. Fuck that. You're not yeah. getting off that easy. <laughs> Why? Because Why? you know what? I, I, um, I, I see everything that you're saying, but yeah. most people that I know don't ever push themselves. Yeah. That far in their at any point in time in their lives. I mean, this is yeah. not something that that typically people that most people do. So again, I'm not gonna let you off the hook that yeah. easy. Why, bro? Tell yeah. us. Think about it. I yeah. want to know. We want to know, man. You know, it, maybe it's that whole. Uh, you know, for me too. Like it's funny. Like when I do talk to people about, uh, just like we'll say athleticism. You know, uh, growing up, I was never very. I wasn't athletic at all. You know, I was used to like getting picked last for everything in PE and all that kind of kind of stuff. And, you know, luckily I had a very good group of friends, like through high school, we all played music, you know, like, uh, you know, we're all into the heavy metal and just going to shows. And, uh, my athleticism did not really, I guess, take off until my very late twenties. And, you know, maybe there's, there's that whole, like trying to prove to myself, like, Hey, like you could do, physically challenging stuff and you know it's not as bad as maybe what you feared it would be when you were younger because you know i remember being told like oh you should try out for basketball because i was decent like when we would play just you know having fun but then it was like oh go out for the team like i don't want to do that you know the only sport i played in uh in high school was tennis and the reason being if i lost it was on me i didn't have to worry about a team you know i uh my mom's pointed out multiple times to me that most things that I enjoy doing are all uh, not team related, but stuff that you still need a team to do, right? Like like tennis, you have to have a partner. You have to have someone to play against. You have to have people that you practice with. Jiu-Jitsu, you have to have uh, partners. But at the same time, uh, you you go up on that mat and it's just you. Uh, I like to think that when I do well, that's because... And, you know, I think it's that weird mentality of like, if I do well, it's because of the team that I trained with. But if I lose, it's because of something that I did. And trying not to let that... That's something that I, I, as a person, work on a lot. Like when I finished the 200 miler, even though it didn't quite go the way that I wanted it to, you know, I still finished it. And there was one point where we we were driving home, kind of talking about it. And my wife, uh, she looked at me and she goes... I hope that now that this is done, you will at least take the time to realize that you accomplished something and not just put it to the side as something that you did, but really think about like what you accomplished. And that, for whatever reason, is still super hard for me to do because I, I kind of get caught up in this whole like, I don't want to think too much about past accomplishments because sometimes those don't lead to future ones. But you still have to learn. Like it's... I hate when people do that, but I find myself doing that. Like, I don't want to like, you know, celebrate past uh, victories. Yeah, and I, 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 I see what you say, what you're saying, but 
you know, I think you're wrong and I agree with your <laughs> wife. I think you need to celebrate. Yeah. The, not just the past victories, but, you know, celebrate the whole process because, you know, these are, um, these are things that very few, number one, very few people are doing the things that you do. Um, secondly, uh, this is obviously an inspiration to the people who follow you. It's an inspiration to, to those who know you, including myself. I mean, we, you know, we always joke around behind your back. We're like, man, fucking Dave, he's crazy. Like, you know, why is he doing this to himself? And, you know, I mean, I mean, um, you know, very few people can, you know, put themselves through what you put yourself through. I mean, this isn't really something that just anybody can do. Anybody can train and run. Yes. If you, if your, your body is, is okay. You don't have any, you know, physical, uh, limitations that would prohibit, prohibit you from doing that. And even if you do, you can still get out there and run probably. Right. But very few people can go and run a hundred mile races, yeah. you know, right. This isn't something that, you know, that most people can, can do running. Yes. Run a hundred miles, not even close 200 miles. And I don't, you know, that's, right. we're talking about way, way over the top. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you definitely should enjoy uh, those accomplishments, accomplishments, you know, the recent ones and, and also the past ones, because these are, you know, pretty incredible achievements. And, you know, I have to, to, um, you know, um, you know, ask like, you know, where does that mental toughness come from? Because we're to, to be able to do this, you know, it's one thing to be physically fit, physically tough, to right. toughen your body. I would, I'm going to assume, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that there's a, a, a mental toughness that might be even more important than the physical. Very much so. Um, I think that... Okay, so okay, so talk about that, but then I also want to know where does that come from you? Where did you where get, do I that? get that? Yeah. Was I get it, did you, were, you, were you born with it, do you think? Is it something that you developed? How, how do you harness that? Yeah. I, think, uh, I think some of it did come just from my parents. You know, seeing how they react to things and how... You know, they're they're the kind of people that I never wanted to let down, even though I know the process of growing up I I did to an extent in certain things, but they're always like, Hey, just do your best. Always do your best, you know. Uh my dad was always one of those like, Don't tell people how good you are, show them. You know. And I think the combination of seeing with them how much hard work does pay off, you know, that just you know, kind of nose to the grindstone, doing something that you love doing and do it well. And I, I feel like I was, I was kind of joked about that. I was brought up in a don't complain atmosphere, you know, like, oh, it's too hot. So can you make it cooler? No. Well, then what are you doing? Why are you telling me about it? Like, you know, just one of those accept what's going on and just deal with it. And, you know, it might sound a little bit harsh, I think. You know, but I think that you do have to, and that's one of the things I try to convey to my kids is that, hey, just because life is hard doesn't mean that it's going to stop, you know, and that you have to. I took my kids once on, I take Brandon and Ashley on this hike that I do a lot. And it was during the summertime. They've been playing video games all summer. And I was like, hey, one night we're going to go out, we're going to do this, uh, this hike. And this is going to sound horrible. We do this seven and a half mile hike around uh, the San Joaquin River Gorge. I told him, I said, Hey, you know, it's, there's going to be points where it's hard, but we're going to, we're going to do it till we're done. You know, the first half, 
We're going to go a mile downhill. We're going to cross this bridge. Then we're going to hike uphill for like two and a half miles. Then we're going to hike downhill for two and a half miles. Then we go back to the car. It'll be a mile uphill. We're climbing uphill and we have like about a half mile left, maybe, maybe three quarters of a mile that we're going uphill. And I see my son. He's kind of like lagging behind and uh, he is exhausted. He didn't eat the best that day and probably didn't feel very well like he didn't fuel up for the the hike very well and i kind of told him what they needed to do i was like hey take it as you want to take it take it as good advice or ignore it but i'm i'm kind of giving you some advice as to what to do before we go and uh they knew like a a couple weeks before we went and we get almost to the top like maybe three quarters of a mile to go i look back and my daughter's like i don't know if he's doing too well i look back he's throwing up on the trail like Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, he's he's fourteen, I think, maybe thirteen, thirteen or fourteen. I'm like, okay. And he's like legitimately like not having a good time. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, it's about to get dark. If he wants to turn around, we're gonna turn around. Like I'm not gonna make him finish this. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not gonna mention that he can turn around. So I let him go through his process of not feeling good. I like him. And I, I knew that, you know, he had enough calories in him. He just was not <laughs> dealing with it. It was a little warm. Uh, he wasn't dehydrated or anything. He wasn't like at risk of like dying. Yeah. He was just, his body, you know, he's used to sitting on the couch playing video games all day. He wasn't used to physical activity. I, I warned him for a while. Like, also, we're going to go on this hike before you guys start school back up. And, uh, you know, he starts hiking up towards me as like, you know, are you okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, what do you want to do? He just looked at me and kept walking. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to keep moving. So then we, we keep going and he's kind of dragging behind a little bit. And I just asked him, what do you want to do? And he just kept going. It's like, okay. And I kept telling him, like, I gave them each a Garmin GPS watch. They each had one. So I tell him, you know, from the car, I go, it's going to at mile, whatever it was, like three point, Seven five, we'll be at the top of the ridge loop. After that, it's all downhill, so it's gonna be easy. So they didn't once ask how far to the top. They knew what it was. So he knew how much further he had to go until it was gonna be easy. And he went all the way to the top, and then we started going down. He was getting kind of slow. Uh, and at this point, they were starting to get a little tired. I was making sure that we took breaks and they got something to eat, and we kept going. And then it's like, okay, cool, we're getting closer and closer to the car. And then. He got a little sick again right before we get to the car when we start kind of climbing out of this this one section. And it's like, how are you doing? He's like, fine. He just keeps walking walking ahead of me. Then we get to the car. I told him, go, you know, I'm proud of you because when I asked you how you're doing, you you just accepted what we were doing and that you had a goal for the day that you had to do it. And I told him, if at any point you told me, especially at that point, that you wanted to turn around, I would have been 100% okay with it. Why didn't you ask me to turn turn around? He said, because I knew that we were supposed to finish it today. And that was, I think, letting him know I was going to give you that option of stopping. You know, At first, he was like, crap, we could have just gone back to the car. But he felt, you know, we talked about it, just that sense of accomplishment of you know, I told them the reason why I was taking them out there was not to be like a jerk and not to like, hey, this is what I do. You should do it too. I wanted them intentionally to do something difficult. And the whole point of taking them out there 
And seeing that he was like, my daughter was just like, she was totally cool with everything. Like she was like, Hey, like this is fine. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And my son was the one not doing very well. But what I told him, I said, the reason why we went out there to do that is because you need to do difficult things in life. I think that's what attracts me to doing these races is that I'm intentionally putting myself in a difficult situation. I feel like then when I get in more difficult situations, I'm able to deal with it because the more you're in a difficult situation, you don't react as uh, irrational sometimes. That's what I love about jujitsu too. For me, honestly, jujitsu has made my running of these events so much easier because you know, I look at it as, and when, when there's someone who outweighs me and they're choking me on top of me, that sucks. Yeah. Running, I could just slow down. I could, I could ease that, that throttle back anytime. And jujitsu, I think, and running for me, both go hand in hand. I think they both really give me that good balance of like, this is what misery is, but I also find a little bit of comfort in it. Man, I'm, I'm at, I really like kind of where you're going with this. I know that, um, I always tell my students, my jujitsu students, you know, I'm, I'm a college instructor as well. And, um, but my jujitsu students always tell them that, um, you know, you come and train and, you know, you stay on these mats long enough, you're going to build grit and you're going to build toughness. And that, yeah. that grit and toughness that you develop is going to help you out in your life. Yeah. Cause that's life. Jujitsu is, is like a, a microcosm of life, right? You have yeah. like, you have your good days, you have your bad days, you have your days where you don't want to, you don't want to train. You don't want to be here. You know, you have your, your, your days where your technique is on point, your timing is good. And you have your days where you just get mopped up by everybody. And you're asking yourself, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Why, why do I come in here and get my ass kicked every day? And I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of how life is. And, um, I think one of the, the issues that a lot of folks have nowadays, even a lot of parents, I mean, you talked about just, you know, some lessons that you were trying to pass on to your children. It's just that, you know, we, we, I think, coddle people now more so than ever before. We don't want people to go through any type of adversity. And I mean, to be honest with you, I have kids. I don't want them to experience adversity, but I understand too that that's part of life. Yeah. Like you have to be able to persevere in life. Life is not going to be perfect. It's not always going to be fun. You're not always going to be doing things that you enjoy doing. And I'm sure there's times when you're running, you're fucking having a great time, right? Oh, yeah. You're probably euphoric and you're like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm yeah. feeling good. And then it could probably change in an instant. Yes. And all of a sudden you're like, what the hell am I doing yeah. this for? What is going on? And that's how life is. Yeah. I mean, life is, you know, there's days where you're like, man, it's just like, I feel great about everything. And then there's just days where just, man, you could have some real lows and yeah. that's just the way it is. And, um, I, um, I, I I really I you know love that part of jujitsu and just kind of what I'm hearing you saying in terms of you know what you do as a runner um you know makes a little more sense to me why you do do yeah. what you do I'm assuming that you know you you're probably a mentally tougher person having done the things that you've done yeah and so one of the conversations my wife and I had on the way home you know luckily having the knowledge that I do working at a specialty running shop. Um, I wore one pair of shoes the entire time, one pair of socks, never took them off. I didn't take them off till I got home. So I put them on, you know, April 1st that night or that morning, took them off when I got home. I didn't even take them off when I was done running because I didn't want to 
stink up the car. You know, I left them on till I got home Sunday night, got into the, uh, the shower, but didn't have any blisters, nothing, you know, got, got everything fitting correctly. But on the way home, my wife and I were talking and she's like, so I think the conversation was something like, so your feet didn't like, she was trying to wrap her head around. I think the fact that, and I didn't say my feet didn't hurt. She just thought that maybe they didn't, you know, like, how did you feel? And I told her, I said, you know, going in, there are certain things, but before I started, I just had to wrap my head around. And I had to tell myself, there's going to be times where you're going to feel great. There's times you're going to feel bad. There's times where your feet are going to feel horrible, you know, because it's the terrain. It's pretty. It's a pretty well-maintained area. There's not a lot of real technical uh, stuff on there, but there are a few parts where it's kind of rocky and it goes for a little while. Like every rock you step on, you're just like in your head, like, ow, 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 ow. Then you look and it just keeps going, you know? Like, oh, I got to get to the end of this thing. There's not a whole lot like that out there, but there's there's very little. Um, and I told her, I was like, you know, when I go into those things, I just tell myself like, that's what's going to happen and you have to accept it. And I think yeah, that goes with life too. Like just, I think when you've put yourself, like we were saying, when when you put yourself in enough difficult situations, you accept that that's what you're going to have to do to get your end result. I think it makes it easier to an extent. But I think allowing yourself to feel shitty at times is just, for me, it's part of my process. You know, it's like, you know, I just have to know that sometimes I have to remind myself that it's not going to stay that way because sometimes, you know, like those short periods of kind of feeling down or just not right, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, they feel like they're going on forever. And then you look back at it and it's like, wow, that really was just like a blip on the on the radar. It wasn't really that bad at all. Yeah, then also trying to find some peace and calm in that crazy chaos too, Yeah. right? And and when things aren't going well, trying to remain positive yeah. and to, to not overreact become overly emotional and, and yeah. so forth. And I, I'm assuming you probably, um, while you're, you know, running these races, you know, you're having to talk to yourself and say, oh, yeah. hey, look, I need to keep myself under control and make yeah. sure that you don't allow yourself to go one way or another. Cause you might be feeling, even when you're feeling good too, because you might be feeling so good. Like you might push it a little too hard. I'm right. assuming you probably have to tell yourself, Hey, bring it back, yep. bring it back yeah. a little bit. The year that I ran my marathon personal best time, I remember I was running with one of my friends and her goal was to finish, I think just faster than three hours and 15 minutes. Mine was like to hit like a 318 or 320. And we ran the first few miles together because we were about on, on pace with each other, right? Because that early into the race, the mile time isn't that far off. It's like as you start to get further and further. And I was banking a little bit of time, a little bit of time at the beginning. She was kind of like holding back. And we were kind of talking about what our goal was. She's like, oh, under 315 or 315. I was like, you know, 320-ish is like what I'm shooting for. Then she started kind of taking off ahead. And I had to be an adult because part of me was like, well, I can maybe keep up with her. Because I trained to run the 315, but my goal was 320. I trained to run faster than what my actual like goal was just so I kind of had a little bit of reserve at the end. And I told myself, you know, if at mile 20, uh, 20 22, if you're feeling good, you know, you could push it hard till the... 26.2 at the end and watching her pull ahead of me and kind of look back like, okay, are you going to stick with me? Or are you going to kind of hang back there? It was very hard. Cause part of me was like, 
hey, you're four miles and you feel really good. You can keep, keep up with her. Then you have to remind yourself, be an adult. You have to think about what's going to happen 22 miles from now yeah. and not just that mile four. And that you know, is one of the things that running has really taught me a lot. Same thing with jujitsu. You know, jujitsu has really taught me that just because you're in a good position and things are going right does not mean that you can't be reversed and tapping out within a few seconds. I've had plenty of, plenty of times rolling with people where I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, man, there's a minute left. I'm taking this guy to town. And then with 10 seconds left, you're like, what just happened? Why did I tap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, that's why I say jujitsu is very similar to life because things could be going really good. And then in an instant, yeah. you, you could be in a really bad position, yeah. in a bad situation. And you can't even figure out what happened. <laughs> exactly. You have like, to ask that person, hell? what did you do to me? How the hell did I get here? You have to ask him after after the <laughs> the time is up. You're like, hey, man, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, so let's talk a little. I want you to, you know, kind of sum it up with, you know, talk, first of all, how much money did you raise for Weedify? And then uh, you plan on doing another race, and you're going to kind of kind of continue this fundraising. Yeah. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about what I plan on doing here at the gym. Yeah. So they're uh, kind of pushing for Memorial Day's coming up, right? Yes, Memorial Day. So yeah. we defy is kind of getting some fundraising going on for that, and so yeah, for we defy Memorial Day and Veterans Day are big fundraisers. They they do open mats and and. Um, uh, you know, I'm encouraging students to purchase the t-shirt. Um, and, um, if they do so today, tomorrow, the next couple of days, they should be here, um, way before the 31st, they, they should arrive. And then, um, you know, we're going to do an open mat, take some pictures and, you know, throw them up on social media and, and hopefully, uh, not just help them raise money by, um, purchase, purchasing the shirts, but also, to help you out with this new fundraiser that, yeah. that you have going on. Um, and so it's a kind of a continuation, right. Of the previous fundraiser. So you raised yeah. over $2,000 for. Yeah. We ended up doing $1,700 off of. Um, so I had a link just in my, on my Facebook and my Instagram uh, through Instagram. We did $1,746 of fundraising Facebook. Um, I had another tag on there. That was a, uh, $700 that we did. So altogether it was $2,446 that we were able to, to fundraise. And so you want to also, um, do another race yeah. and another run and then continue to, to raise funds. Yeah. So there's this, uh, actually oddly enough, the area that my son threw up on, <laughs> I'm going to go out to the, the San Joaquin river gorge, uh, which is a nice spot. Cause there's a parking lot. There's a little restroom area. Uh, so anyone who wants to come out and kind of do a loop with me or just kind of come say what's up, it's, I believe, 7.7 miles from the parking lot. You cross the San Joaquin River, do the loop and come back. So it'll be 13 loops that I'm going to do. I'm going to do 100 miles out there. Um, it's funny because the setup for this event is almost the same as uh, Headlands 200 that I did. Um, I actually went out after the 150 miler when I wasn't able to finish it. I said, you know, I want to do a hundred miler. I'm going to go out to the San Joaquin river gorge and do a hundred miles. My, uh, Achilles tendon was still really jacked up. Um, I kept it kind of on the kind of real quiet that I was going to try to do it. And I think I got just over 50 miles in or about 50. My Achilles tendon was just killing me. And there's a lot of downhill. My knees were actually starting to bother me just cause I was running downhill so much. Um, 
and I stopped at about mile 50. So after I did the 200 miler, I was like, you know, I'm going back out to the San Joaquin River Gorge. I'm going to do do 100 out there. And uh, that's when I kind of thought too, like, well, you know, it'll be really cool because no one that I know of has done 100 miles out there. So um, that's one thing I've kind of been more interested in is just kind of doing some stuff on my own that maybe no one's almost be like that no one's done yet don't want to sound like a like a pompous jerk here but as far as <laughs> <laughs> as far as i know no one's done 100 miles out there so i kind of yeah. want to do it just to do it it'll be 13 miles around this loop then you know it's kind of one of those uh you know why not t- tie this into the we defy foundation again and I, I just randomly picked the dates the weekend before uh memorial day it just happened to be the weekend that i was able to get off from work and, you know, sometimes, you know, things work out for a reason. I like to think that the yeah, universe per- perfect just kind of, yeah, Ab- absolutely perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then we're going to help you out here. Um, again, uh, you can follow us on Instagram to go ahead and give me your Instagram, how they can uh, get in touch with you and or how they can follow you and, and message you. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's, uh, Dave underscore or underscore David. So it's Dave or David, basically D A V E underscore O-R underscore D-A-V-I-D. And I'll have some stuff posted on there. And then we're going to do the, the the fundraiser through Instagram. And so you're going to set it up. Yeah. And then I'll repost it. And then we'll encourage people to repost it and share it. And yeah. hopefully, um, you know, we can get the fundraising started prior to the race. Yeah. We'll get it started prior to the race, see if we can hit our goal. And then maybe if we can extend the goal um, out some if we if we're able to reach it. Um, and it'll all be done through Instagram. So Correct, we'll yeah. set this up through Instagram, um, and more information. You can follow me, uh, at seventh, uh, Jen BJJ, our seventh underscore BJJ under our seventh underscore G E N underscore BJJ, or you can follow the podcast Instagram as well. I'm going to have information there regarding Dave's run and the fundraising for the We Defy Foundation. That's seventh gen podcast. So, uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, do that right now. Don't forget. We'll p- be posting the information there. And then uh, whoever wants to help us out can repost the information and see if we can yes. you know, reach your goal for the fundraising. Um, and then in conjunction with that, we're on, that uh, on May 31st, uh, we're going to be doing um, uh, an open mat here and with Randy and uh, we'll have our T-shirts and we'll be you know, posting information regarding that. And so if people want to come in, uh, to the open mat, if you're a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioner here in the San Joaquin Valley or wherever, I don't care if you're up in the Bay area, you want to come through, um, to the open mat here, there's probably, I'm sure there'll be an open mat somewhere up there for we defy. Uh, but we'll be here, um, at the gym doing an open mat, probably do a three hour open mat. Um, and, um, you know, of course, uh, just be kind of spreading the word and that way we can raise as much money as we can for this amazing foundation. Um, we'll be having a, a couple of podcasts, uh, uh, with TJ, um, who, uh, works for the We Defy Foundation. Um, uh, very inspirational person. I know you, you spoke with him yeah. and, um, and so I'm going to work with him a little bit. That way we can really uh, explain to the listeners just how incredible the We Defy Foundation really is. And again, you can check their website out. It's wedefyfoundation.org. So www.wedefyfoundation.org. And you can read up more about what they do. Again, um, incredible foundation. And I just want to say to you, I really appreciate you 
you know, joining our show, um, you know, not just talking about your running, but, you know, really getting in, into depth here about, right. you know, what it's like to, to do something like this, because obviously we're talking about pushing um, the human body to the ultimate limits, yeah. right? I mean, we're not talking about, you know, just being a little tired or being a little fatigued. Right. <laughs> we're talking about, you know, coming close to, to, uh, to death, I'm sure. I mean, to, to run that many days to, to finish that race is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to add regarding the fundraiser about running? I mean, just any, anything else that you want to add to the show? Yeah, just, uh, you know, if you can go to their website, we defy's website, take a look at what they do. And if it's something that you, you know, strikes a nerve with you, or if you know some combat veterans, you know, just donate if you can, even if you don't donate, like figure out how to, maybe if there's some jujitsu schools in your area, maybe figure out how to get them affiliated with we defy, you know, you could, if a monetary donation is not, you know, something that you're able to do. There's all kinds of ways that you could, you could help out. But I think it's a, a very good cause to, to support. And like, for me, it just, like I said, jujitsu and running two things I'm very passionate about and to be able to help out some people with the use of jujitsu is just, you know, we see it all the time, right? Without a doubt we do. Uh, we see people who come in the gym who, you know, or maybe just going through some stuff. Maybe they're just uncoordinated. You know, you see all, all kinds of types of people come through and you just see how amazing this art is and how much it changes them and forges friendships. And, you know, like I'll be the first to say I'm not the most self-confident person in the world. And, you know, with what jujitsu has done for me personally, it's, you know, I, I could, I feel like there is not enough I could do to repay all the people that have had a positive effect in my life through this community. Yeah, and it's perfectly said, and I, I agree 100%. And if you've thought about uh, training uh, jujitsu, I, I would say stop thinking about it, give it a shot. You know, I wish more people um, would train Brazilian jujitsu because the, the, the benefits are so vast. You know, you, you get the physical benefit, right? You get in shape and um, you improve your your physical health, but also the psychological component, right? Just yeah. If you if you're going through psychological difficulties, um, you know, I jokingly say, "Well, I don't need therapy. I have jujitsu." But it's really not a joke. I mean, it's a type of therapy for me, and um, you know, it's a, a important activity in terms of just kind of you know keeping me well balanced psychologically, not just physically fit, but psychologically fit, and then. You'd mentioned just being around other people, getting to know folks who are different than you. Sometimes we just kind of stay in our bubble. We stay in our comfort zone. And jujitsu kind of takes us out of that. And you start to learn that, you know, even though you're you're over here training with a bunch of people that come from these really different, diverse backgrounds, that you start finding all these really interesting commonalities that you have with people. And it's yeah. really just a beautiful thing. And I, I think that part of jujitsu is the most... I think understated aspect of it, right? We always talk about the yeah. physical and you learn self-defense and all these great things you can do competition and all the incredible benefits from that. But the community part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. It really, really is. And um, it's not to say that there is any douchebags in the jujitsu community. I'm sure right. there's plenty. They're, they're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. That's life, right? That's why, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why we talk about it. it's, it's life. But, um, but it does, one thing I do love about it, it does break down some barriers. I and mean, we have people who train here who are working law enforcement 
you know, I know we have people in here who are anarchists. (laughs) (laughs) These people are on the left and the right, religious, non-religious. But, you know, here we always have that rules like no politics, no religion, just jujitsu. We come here, have a good time and we train. And um, to me, man, that's what it's all about. And so, but anyway, I I really appreciate you joining the show. um, And, um, you know, we'll get you back on again. Um, and then I'll be informing people about what's coming up again. We're going to have TJ on the show. Um, and we'll be just doing this fundraising all through the month of May and we'll just see what we can do here or see how we can help out. We defy, um, and, uh, give back to the, the, to the community, which really that's what it should be all about. Right. Yep. Exactly. All right. Any, any last words here? Not that I could think of. I think we, uh, (laughs) I think I talked enough. All right, well, I'll play a little music. I need some help, Dave, with uh, my outro music, man. Yeah. This is like my my built-in outro. I mean, I kind of like it, but it's growing on me. But yeah. yeah, I know you're, you know, you play around with music, so yeah. maybe you can do some intro, outro music for me. I'm starting to do some stuff again, so. There you see. go. There you go. But yeah, man, this has been um, really outstanding, uh, this conversation. Um, it's been a really good one, so. Uh, again, you've been listening to the Seven Generation Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Uh, you can check out check out the gym Instagram, uh, 7th underscore G-E-N underscore B-J-J, or the podcast Instagram, 7 Gen uh, Podcast. And Dave, your, pod, your Instagram one more time? Uh, D-A-V underscore O-R underscore D-A-V-I-D. Dave underscore or underscore David. All right. Yeah. So check it out on Instagram. Follow us and then you'll get all upcoming information there. All right. Signing out.